Welcome to Bloom, the podcast where mums share their unfiltered birth experiences. We hope that by listening to their stories, you feel empowered and inspired wherever you are on your own journey. Welcome to Bloom. Is there such a thing as the perfect age to become a mother? Morgan had joked that 26 seemed to be just that, not too old and not too young. Despite knowing she wanted a family, she thought it would come when she had financial security, a stable job and her own place. So when she unexpectedly fell pregnant at 25, the line on the pregnancy test suddenly brought home the reality of motherhood in a very real and very scary way. Morgan felt a duty not to bring a child into the world if she couldn't provide it with the right life. After carefully analysing their finances and exploring all the options to make it work, Morgan and her partner decided to embrace the journey to parenthood. Although Morgan's natural birth ended in an episiotomy, she felt in harmony with her baby throughout. Her story is one of hope and resilience, navigating pregnancy and birth away from their family and with no parenting role models besides their own parents. Hi Morgan. Hi Gaito. It's lovely to be chatting to you this morning. Yeah, I'm so happy to be here. It's going to be such a fascinating one for me because in a way we live like parallel lives. I'm English living in Paris and you're French living in London. Yes. Yeah, so I can't wait to hear more about your whole experience of becoming a mum. But to start with, please could you tell us your name, your age, what do you do in life and who is in your family? Sure. So I'm Morgan, I'm 28 years old, I'm a freelance illustrator, Um, I live in London, but as you said, I'm French, Um, and I live here with Belen, who is my partner of seven years now, and Mia, who's two years old. Amazing. And so how did you meet? Uh, So... When I was 21, uh, it was the last year of my undergrad, which I was studying in France at the time. But for the last year, um, I had the opportunity to go and study in Japan. Amazing. Um, and yeah, that was great. Uh, and Valen is actually, he was born and raised in Argentina, but his family is from Japan originally. Um, so he was studying in the same university as me. He was studying his master's at the time. And yeah, we were, we just met through common friends. Um, and I think within a month of me being in Japan, we were dating. Amazing. Such a multicultural family. It is, definitely. Yeah, it is. So yeah, we met there and everything went pretty fast. We took it seriously pretty, pretty early on, even though. Well, it had its own challenges, definitely, to be from different countries, to be both in a country that was now mm. ours. We don't really know what would come in the future, if we would have to do long distance or stuff like that. But we never did. We we stayed with, with each other since then. So 
yeah that's how we met so you kind of journeyed back from Japan to London after your undergrad was finished I wanted an experience of living in Europe and we also wanted to live in a country that was um, neutral so it was in France it was in Argentina um, and a country where Mm. we could speak properly the language so we went with England, yeah. Uh, I mean, with the UK, and we. I found a university in London, and I was accepted, and it all went from there. Uh, it was five years ago, so yeah, that's how we made it okay. to London. Wow. Had you ever spoken about children early on? You said you took it seriously pretty quickly, but how how early on did you talk about? your mutual desires or not for children yeah that that came pretty early on I remember I think at the time I was well I was 21 I knew that at some point in my life I wanted to have children but it wasn't like really something that I was thinking for now because I love traveling I was very um, serious about my studies I really wanted a career and all of that Um, so I always thought that having children would maybe not really go well with that kind of life or that I would have to make a lot of sacrifice to be able to have children so it was Mm. somewhere in my mind but I really thought that's going to be a difficult one I I don't know that's going Mm. to be hard and I think pretty early on with with Val and we were talking about what were our dreams in lives and stuff like that and I think yeah mine were about traveling the world and having a career and all that and Van told me well I think having a family would be like a big dream of mine. So it kind of set the tone pretty early on. I love that. But I guess the fact that he was so open about it, uh, there was something reassuring about that as well. There was also the fact that I knew that he was like, we, we would be an international family. I guess he would be, he was very excited for me at the time to think, we're going to just have completely different models from the one we grew up in. And that would mean mm. that we could still travel the world because we would have to go to Argentina. We would have to go to France. Uh, we would speak different languages in our home. We would cook different foods every day. Um, yeah. So we knew that it wasn't something that we wanted now. Um, Diane is five years older than me. So I think also okay. maybe that was a bit more present in his mind than it was for me. But we knew that at some point it would happen and it, we were very excited about it. Okay. So had you kind of put it to the side and said, we'll cross that bridge once your career is on track or once you've had enough time to, I guess, live for yourself a little bit more? Yeah. Uh, well, we never really came to that because, well, me, I was a big surprise, <laughs> to be fair. Okay. Um, but we were, I mean, it's it's kind of funny because we were, we already had picked her name like maybe five years before she was born. No way. Yeah, we, we were really... We really wanted her to be part of our family, but it was always yeah. this thing that we never felt like life was, that we could really catch up with life. Um, and mm-hmm. it was kind of crazy. When we came to London, we really had nothing. Um, and I was a student, so I wasn't working. And Valen found a good job, but we were kind of struggling a bit financially at the time. And then... I think I graduated a year later and I was at the time I was studying cinema. So I was doing a lot of little job within the cinema industry and I was working 60 hours a week. I was 
rarely paid for what I was doing. So we were dreaming about that life, but it felt like we were nowhere near that life. Mm. Um, we were still living with flatmates. I was working in a cinema at the time just to pay the bills um, next to all the little gigs that I was doing. And they gave me um, a promotion for a manager position. And I really went all for that. I left all the okay. little gigs and I really just focused on that manager position. So even though I was working nighttime, it right. was already giving me a bit more of a routine and all that. And we decided that we would live on our own, uh, that we would okay. get our own flat. And um, I think it was around August. Yeah, it was in August 2019. I was, have, I was wearing an IED. And it expired and um, I went to the sexual health clinic I got it out and I was I, I wasn't really too sure what I wanted to do for a contraception and I think I already had this idea of like yeah it will happen soon like maybe in a couple of years we had this discussion of thinking well things are getting a bit less crazy at the moment so maybe a couple of years more of that life mm. and we would be able to really settle down and be ready so I didn't really want it to get another IUD fitted, and um, but I didn't really want it to get hormonal contraception. So I went with that technique where you take your temperature every morning, yeah. uh, very like a natural type of contraception. Mm. But at the same time, we're using condoms and we're trying to be like, it wasn't really a plan yet. Yeah. And I was working at the cinema and I think I always wanted to have kids before I was 30. And I was 25 at the time and I was talking with a friend. And I was like, yeah, I always wanted to have a kid when I was 26. I mm. thought it was like the perfect age. Like it's not too early, but it's not too late either. Yeah. Um, that, that would be my perfect age, but that will never happen because look at my life where I'm at now when I'm 25 and that's not going to happen. <laughs> be careful what you wish for. <laughs> right and my friend was like well you never know don't say that and um uh, we were about to move out in this new flat in i think january 2020 so um yeah we were still living with our flatmate at the time and um i was supposed to have my period on christmas i remember mm -hmm. We went back to France for that Christmas, but it was very hectic because I had to be back in London for work on Boxing Day. So I think okay. we really went for three days um, and we came back on the same day. It was really, really hectic. And I remember then actually got sick on the plane. <laughs> he threw up in front of everyone. Like it was really wow. weird. So I had to cancel my shift. <laughs> He's getting the morning sickness on your behalf. <laughs> I, think he, I think he discovered it before me, actually, because yeah. we, it was very hectic, as I said, and we arrived in London, he was sick, and I went to the pharmacy to pick up some stuff for him. And then I thought, wait, I don't, I don't get my period. Like, I was supposed to have my periods like two or three days ago. And I was feeling a bit weird. Um, mm. I think I was like, my breast was very sensitive. I was cramping a little bit and I remember like drinking a few glasses of wine and just being kind of drunk after having just one and mm. thinking okay that's unusual but I guess I was just thinking that I don't know uh, that was just my period coming yeah but 
I thought, you know what, I, I will get a test just to make sure so I'm not worrying about this. And I think I didn't even tell Valen that I got a test. I was just like, right. it's fine, it's going to be negative anyway. So I go to the to the toilet, I pee on it, and I see that it's just coming back negative. Okay. I think it was like an early detection one because I knew that it was only a couple of days after I was supposed to get my period. Uh -huh. So I just get dressed and everything. I was about to put it in the bin and I look at it and I can see the faintest line, but I thought it was like my, my eyes playing a trick on me or something. I was like, you're so worried about that, that you're actually making it up. And I tend to be a worried, stressed person. So I was thinking I'm going to go to Valen and he's going to tell me, no, there's nothing here. You're just imagining it. Yeah, it was just sick in the bedroom. And I was like, I'm sorry, I know this is not a great time, but I need you to have a look at this. I'm really worried. And he just, and he looked at it and he was like, um, I think there's a second line here. And I was like, what? It's like 9 p.m. Boots is now closed. I can't do another uh. test. And we're here thinking that I might be pregnant. Like, that's so, so crazy. Mm. We really thought that maybe the test wasn't working. But um, it got us thinking, of course, during that night, we had yeah. uh, that discussion of, well, what would happen if I was actually pregnant? Okay. And at the time, I think, because we're so shocked, we were thinking that I would get an abortion. We okay. were really thinking we're not at a place where we could take care of the child. Well, we were meant to move into our own flat pretty soon, but we were still living with a flatmate. Mm. finances were, weren't really amazing either even it was really weird because even though we had imagined that for us for years mm. it was just not a great timing and it was very scary and very real when you have the test in your hand and you're like could that be could that be happening yeah and I was. think at the time we didn't really realize what an abortion really was we're just like oh it's okay we'll just like erase that and we get back to our normal lives um so I think the day after I called my GP uh, I went there and she wasn't really helpful I think she just told me that well if you don't have your period and you got a positive test it might mean that you're pregnant I thought they would do like a blood test or something but yeah. she told me to just do another test in a couple or a couple days or three days or something like that And it felt like years. I, I I just wanted to know. It was really hard to go to work every day, not really knowing. I think I did another test, but it wasn't the early detection one, so it came back negative. Okay. So I was very confused. I was I had really no idea if I were pregnant or not. But I remember having that discussion as well with my GP of me potentially wanting an abortion. And she gave me all the paperwork. She explained me everything. She, okay. yeah, she directed me to the right person, basically. And so, how long are you kind of alone with your thoughts for until you mm -hmm. have the certainty about it's definitely true that you're pregnant? Um, it was maybe a week, I think. Wow. Okay, that's a long time when you're in that in that day to day. Yeah. Definitely. I remember it being a very, very confusing time. I really didn't know how I was feeling. I wasn't sure if I was sad, if I was happy. Um, mm. I 
was kind of feeling those things in my body as well. Like I wasn't nauseous of stuff like that, but I definitely felt my breath changing already. And I was like, I, I think there's a good chance that I'm actually pregnant. Mm-hmm. And on the 1st of January 2020, we partied with a couple friends, but it was very low-key. And I didn't really drink on that night because I was like, well, mm-hmm. I'm not really sure. It was just weird. And on the 1st, I was working at the cinema early in the morning as well. So I think my shift finished about 5 p.m., I went to the boots on my way back, uh, got myself a test. I went to the bathroom when I arrived home. I didn't even tell Valerie, and I was really like, I want to know. I can't go another day without knowing. Mm. And within two seconds of being on the stick, it was positive. It was a big, fat positive. Wow, and okay. It was very weird because my reaction to it was so intense. Like I started shaking and almost like screaming but laughing at the same time. I was yeah, I was shaking and it was just wow. I think at that moment I realized that my life will never be the same. Whatever mm. I was whatever decision I was taking and I also realized that even though I would always take Vine's decision in consideration that was my decision then that was my body and that was happening to me mm-hmm. <laughs> in a very intense way compared mm-hmm. to him and yeah I knew that there was a before and an after this this moment we wow. had always this kind of dream of having a family together I guess I was uh, watching a lot of like YouTube videos of uh girls on Instagram showing to their boyfriends or partner that they were pregnant it was always romantic and it was this big surprise so for years I was imagining in my head how I would tell my partner that I was pregnant and that would always be a little surprise something a bit cheesy but no (laughs) but like hysterically waving the stick in his face (laughs) exactly like I think it was playing the um like FIFA on like the PlayStation or something and I arrived and I was crying I was completely hysterical and I was shaking I was like I'm pregnant I'm pregnant and I remember him just looking at me with such a scared face like I know he was just so shocked Mm. it's okay sit down it's all right and it was really weird the feelings that I was feeling at the time because I was very happy and at the same time very sad it was like wow it's happening but it's happening at the worst possible time and um well we will have to say goodbye to that baby and that was just heartbreaking and I remember when he was trying to comfort me he said something along the line of oh but that's all right it worked for next time or something like that Mm. and that broke me um I think I sobbed for the entire night I was just I don't really want to have another time at another moment it's Mm. just um I think it wasn't too clear for me but I felt like it was my duty almost to not have that baby because well of the financial um because of where we were at in our lives I think I was like well I can't really offer a happy life to a child right now but um deep down I I I wanted it Mm -hmm. I did call the um, yeah I did call the abortion center or clinic um I kind of did everything as if I was about to have an abortion but in my head I it wasn't happening and I think that after a week of properly knowing that we were pregnant I think Van could see that I 
I was at my worst. I was just really sad. I was crying all the time. It was really, really hard. Mm-hmm. And it eventually we discussed about it. We did our little financial, I remember in a notebook thinking, okay, so it, that aside and if we every month we would have that much money on the side when she will she he or they will come mm. um so we, we wanted to make it work and it felt like almost i think i didn't even had like a proper appointment for the abortion okay but i had like a, an appointment for a preliminary talk with someone i think and okay. i was i I felt like we were trying to take this as a deadline. And if we could find a solution before that deadline, then I would never go to that appointment. Mm-hmm. And I ended up never going. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think also I told my mom and I told like very close friend of mine and all of them, I think they could feel that I was trying to find a way. Mm-hmm. So they were trying to, it, I, I think they did they did it in a really good way as well because they didn't like force me their opinion or force me their yeah. decision. I think they both wanted me to keep that baby, but mm. they were kind of trying to give me another perspective because I was really stuck in my own perspective. Yeah. Um, and that was really helpful. And and it sounds like you just needed time as well to kind of process like what you're describing of these almost like two different mindsets or personalities or you know opinions going around in your head definitely so you didn't go to the appointment and at that point would you say that you were fully decided and starting to let yourself embrace the fact that it's happening yeah yeah I think so I think more for me than for Valen it took a little bit longer for him but for me it was like okay I'm going to have a baby and I thought mm-hmm. I would be really relieved by the time because I would have taken a decision, but it was actually really scary because uh, I had to catch up with everything that had happened to me and realize that I was about to become a mother while I was still dealing with that young adult's almost yeah. studenty life. And it felt like I would never have enough time to be ready to be a mom <laughs> by the time she would be here. And presumably you don't have a ton of friends or other mum kind of role models or yeah, people in your life no, at that time. not at all, not at all. I was really, I think after a couple of weeks of me knowing, um, I did tell a couple of close friends in London and okay. they were like, it was really weird the kind of reaction that I had because most of them were like, oh shit. And I was like, no, that's a good... <laughs> That's a good news, guys. No, it's actually a really good thing. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually happy about that. <laughs> yeah, I think like they were, yeah, definitely uh, for them, it would have been the worst case scenario. But for me, I was like, no, I'm actually happy about that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it was, it was weird. It was like this kind of identity crisis almost of, okay, now I have to switch gear on. I'm going in that life, in that um, moment of my life of becoming a mom and having children. And wow, I was 25. Yeah. So. So where on earth do you start? Like, what did you turn to for resources? And what was your kind of thought process going into getting yourself mentally and physically ready? We were really uneducated Mm -hmm. about having children. And also 
because it wasn't in my country there there was a lot of different stuff like I remember like thinking okay I have to go back to my GP and tell her that I'm pregnant but I'm actually gonna keep that baby so I don't know she's going to do some blood tests we're going to check some stuff and it wasn't like that I guess the only person that I knew had a baby was my mom Mm -hmm. at the time so she was like yeah you need to get to your doctor you need to get all the blood tests done they need to test if you have this or that illness or yeah and it was a bit overwhelming especially because here it wasn't the same so I felt like is it am I missing something am I not making myself understand properly and I remember that my GP was like yeah you need to register with a hospital as soon as possible okay like what last week I didn't even think that I was about to have a baby and now I have to register to give birth (laughs) it was really surreal Mm. but um yeah I think that eventually things fall into places a little bit after I think the first trimester I was still confused and scared but I was really trying to make it a happy moment and see the beauty in that as well Mm -hmm. Did you enjoy the changes that were happening to your body? And was that something which you were able to embrace? Yeah, actually, um, I was, I think I was following a lot of personal social media, we had children, I was just like looking for models all around. And I think I was always looking for women that were like, very, uh, how to say, like, happy to be pregnant, feeling empowered while being pregnant. Um, all those things. So I was excited to see my body change, I think, to mm. feel that way. I was lucky that I didn't get that many symptoms on the first trimester. I, I never threw up, for instance. I did get a bit of nausea, but I think it was mostly when I was working late at night mm-hmm. because then my stomach was empty and I was really tired. So very early on, my job became a bit challenging because I was always running around Uh, There were a lot of responsibility, again, working until like 2 a.m. So that was, that was, yeah, a bit weird being pregnant. I kind of realized as well that that wasn't very aligned with the life that I was about to have. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I didn't really start showing until I was maybe four months pregnant. Okay. And that's a different thing to process as well, isn't it? When you, when you have the physical proof of the baby, it's different to the more kind of, linked but less tangible symptoms I suppose like the you're nausea. right you're right especially because I didn't have that much didn't really feel like I was pregnant I think in that first trimester I definitely had those feelings of almost guilt of feeling like am I really feeling pregnant am I really connected to that baby what is the impact that the beginning of that story has on that pregnancy I'm not sure like mm-hmm. I was kind of navigating a lot of questions on my own I think mm-hmm. But as I said, I was really trying to celebrate the moment as well. I remember we we went with Valen to get like um how do you call it like a high tea or uh, where oh, yeah. you get all the little yeah like an afternoon tea. afternoon tea that's it uh, to celebrate. And I was the one saying we need to celebrate because we never did it. We went through all those feelings, and now I want us to celebrate. And on that day, we got her as well a little a little present, and that was the first present that we got her and. 
I think it was really to tell that's okay now you have a space in our life and we we want you to be mm. here so that was that was a nice little thing to do that's so special yeah and she still has that little blanket and she loves it she it's one of her <laughs> favorite toy and it's so funny I can't wait to tell her the story behind that did she did you know it was a girl at that time no no I I was pretty sure I would have a boy for some reason hmm. I think after the 12 weeks scan uh, we went to France and we tell my my family we didn't know so my dad and my brother and it was a very beautiful moment as well mm. and it felt like she was well they at the time was very welcome in our family it was a shock mm. for everyone definitely they were not expecting this to happen now but they were they were very very happy at the moment we came back from that trip i think it was end of february 2020 so then the pandemic started so mm-hmm. I stopped working because the cinema closed and there were different kind of uh, policies in place where I think I was furloughed and I was furloughed until the end of my pregnancy. <laughs> so, Gosh, the blessings in disguise. <laughs> absolutely. I think that's why I never really looked too much into whether this job was really aligned with me becoming a mother because it was just, mm. uh, it just disappeared <laughs> when I was three months pregnant. That's wonderful. Yeah, that was good. I I just had the time to tell my my colleagues that I was pregnant. And then like a week later, I was at home. Hmm. Yeah, the rest of the pregnancy went really smoothly from there. I had to educate myself a lot because I didn't know much about Hmm. pregnancy and birth as well. So was it a lot of social media or... I'm interested, I guess, about the the process. If you start with social media, did that help you to find good resources or... What did you find the most helpful of everything? Absolutely. It was 100% social media because I had no one. Well, even more, my mom gave birth through C-section. So she couldn't even tell mm-hmm. me how to prepare for vaginal birth, uh, which was what I what I wanted. And I think a lot of resources from social media where people were more geared toward natural birth, ethnobirthing. Mm-hmm. I threw myself into into this and I really enjoyed what I read. I was excited to give birth. Like that wasn't something that I was scared about. I was really interested in the idea of having a water birth. I, I saw like mm-hmm. videos and, and stuff like that. And I was like, wow, that, that just looks magical. Mm. So I kind of knew I wanted to have that. And I think also when I had to choose a hospital, I saw that there were some that were having midwife-led unit. I think that's how it's called, where it's a bit more natural, where natural birth are encouraged. So I thought, okay, already at the time, even though I was really early on in my pregnancy, I thought I wanted to have that. I tend to like things to go the way they're supposed to go in a way, like in a more natural Mm -hmm. way. Um, Like I I was kind of scared of hospitals as well. I don't want a mm-hmm. home birth because our flat was tiny and it wasn't really the place. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, I was scared about all the medicalized aspect of pregnancy and birth. Were you aware, given that you didn't have loads of mums in your life, were you aware that the situation in France is a bit more medicalized and they have higher rates of epidurals and things Mm. like that going into that choice to have a more natural birth or was it not really on your radar at the beginning it wasn't really but then I think I came to realize that because everyone was telling me 
oh, did you get to that appointment? Or I think like the, the appointments in the UK were a lot more spaced out and uh, mm-hmm. there were maybe less scans as well. And I didn't have like a midwife that was following me. I, I don't know if it was because of the pandemic as well. At first I thought it was the case, but then I realized that it's kind of the way it is. Like things are a lot less medicalized. Like they were not internal examination, for instance, I yeah. think. I didn't get one until birth, basically, which mm-hmm. I was really happy with. And I realized that my plan of not having an epidural and going for a natural birth and using my hypnobirthing and blah, blah, was very welcome here in the UK. Rather yeah, than sure. if when I was saying that to my friends in France or my family, they were like, are you sure? <laughs> that doesn't sound like a good idea. But um, <laughs> yeah, I think that I really gave birth in the right place for the for what I wanted because it was it felt like it was just normal here. Mm-hmm. I loved also the fact that they didn't really uh, check my weight also while I was pregnant. Uh, they were just okay. like taking uh, measurements, I think, of my belly. Yep. And I was always like, oh, I think maybe uh, I'm too heavy. Maybe I'm taking weight too, too quickly. Like you're perfectly mm-hmm. healthy. Don't worry about that. And that was one thing that my mom told me that when she was pregnant with me, they were really stressing her out on the weight she was taking. I think that I took a lot of weight when I was pregnant, especially because I wasn't really doing anything except being at home. Were you weighing yourself on a regular basis or just how the, from the way you feel? Yeah, I think I stopped when I was like 30 weeks pregnant because I was like, okay, it's starting to stress me out and people are telling me yeah. not to stress out about it, like medical professionals, so I'm not going to make myself sick about that. But I think... At the end, I was like 25 kilos when they were saying that the norm in France is more like 15 or something like that. So mm-hmm. I was really happy that no one ever stressed me out about this. And I was yeah, just feeling really good in my body. I didn't care. I was eating all the stuff that I wanted and I was healthy. Um, there was no yeah, particular worry about that. So the hospital that you signed up to, was it pretty close to the where you were living at the time how was that a factor I'm sure it was yeah because even more that we don't drive we don't own a car so we knew that I would have to call an uber (laughs) when it was time to go (laughs) which was something that was stressing me out so much I was very obsessive about that particular detail um yeah but I think the hospital was like 15 20 minute ride from the hospital uh, from our place if it wasn't too busy okay yeah so that was okay I didn't really know if that was too much or if it was okay I don't know how I would feel how contraction would feel yeah but yeah. I was like well that's the way it is uh, but it was pretty close and even to go to all the appointment that I had it was pretty straightforward and I loved the hospital it didn't make me feel uncomfortable like I was scared it would okay do you think that's because of the it being a midwife led unit or do you think it was just because it was the right place and you felt comfortable there I think that was it really I was really feeling comfortable there every time I was going people were nice with me for friends of mine that now gave birth in France there's always there's so many things on the radar I think in France like of different illness that you can have like uh, 
toxoplasmosis or stuff like that. And I was always worrying about this thing. I was like, did you check if I have that? Did you check if I have that? And they're like, <laughs> there's no reason for us to think that you have that. And I think it's uh, it was really good for me. It was I'm a stressed person. I get anxious really easily. And it was nice to have people tell me, everything is fine. Don't worry. You're not mm. sick. Your body is doing what it's supposed to do. You, your baby's very healthy, very happy. We can hear it. Don't worry. And that was very reassuring for me. Mm. Okay, so let's talk about the day itself. Um, What was the first sign that labour was was coming on? Mm. The due date that I was given was the 9th of September. And funnily enough, my birthday is on the 5th of September. So I was 26 when I got my baby (laughs) in the end. Amazing. Yeah, so I really thought I would have a birthday baby. Valen was born on the same day as his dad. So I thought, oh, this is happening again. My baby <laughs> my baby girl will be born on my birthday. But then everyone was telling me that for your first baby, you actually sometimes comes a bit later. And I really mm-hmm. didn't want it to be overdue. Like this idea was just depressing me. And mm-hmm. on the last week of my pregnancy, I got something that I'd never heard of. I think it's called pup, pup, I don't really know, it's P-U-P-P, and it's what a rash, it? it's a big okay. rash that you get um, on your belly, and also on your legs and arms, and it's basically like your body is overflowing with pregnancy hormone, and you almost get like an allergic reaction to it, that was my understanding. Wow, I never heard of that. It was very uncomfortable and I was very worried that maybe that would be a sign of preeclampsia or something a lot more uh, Mm -hmm. dramatic. So I think for the last week I was in and out of uh, the hospital getting checked. So I really wanted this baby to be out like every day. I felt like it was a bit of a torture. Mm -hmm. And on the 8th of September, I went to bed and I felt completely normal I was very distraught I thought okay this baby's not coming out anytime soon Mm -hmm. Uh, that's very annoying bearing in mind you still have seven days till your French due date (laughs) that's true that's true but I think they already had given me an appointment at the hospital to get a sweep yeah on the 9th of September at 10 a.m and I was I didn't really know what to make of it. I was like, should I get it? Because I'm really uncomfortable and I want this baby out. But at the same time, I really want things to be as um, yeah, natural as possible. And also mm. because of the policies around COVID, my partner could be in the hospital with me only uh, during active labor. Right. So I was really worried about being on my own. So mm. I think we really prepared together for the birth. Valen was very into it. It was very into the idea of hypnobirthing. And Amazing. we were really a team. And I felt like if I was on my own, that would just throw everything away already. So I really was scared about having to have an induction and maybe being days on end at the hospital waiting for something to happen and being on my own. We had prepared everything. We had, I think, from week 30, I had my little luggage with everything inside. I couldn't wait to give birth. We had our little, like, like the electric tea lights, <laughs> battery yeah, powered. Yeah, yeah. We we had all that little decoration. I brought crystals. I, like, 
essential oils, everything. I couldn't wait to really be in my bubble in the hospital, mm. in the little uh, midwife late unit room. So, yeah, I was a bit distraught knowing that maybe at 10 a.m. on my due date, I would have a sweep and I would have to wait in hospital. And on the 9th of September at 6 a.m., I woke up, like, sitting up in my bed with a contraction. Or at least I felt like it was a contraction. I was like, no way. It's happening. So I went to the bathroom and I found that I had lost my mucus plug. And that there was blood in it. So I knew that if there was blood in it, it meant that maybe something was happening. Okay. And I remember the rush of happiness that I had when I saw that. I went into bed and I tell Valen, I was like, oh my God, like you have no idea. Our baby's coming today. Like I was so positive about it. (laughs) Um, You're going to be a dad today. And he was just sleepy and telling me like, okay, are you sure? Are you okay? Should I do something? And I was like, go to bed, sleep a little bit more. Mm-hmm. You'll need the rest. Um, I think I'm fine for now. I think I slept for a couple more hours, actually. Well done. That's impressive. <laughs> yeah. And I I was woken up with more contraction. And then I kind of sneaked out of bed. I went into my living room. I was on my bouncing ball. And I knew that the longer I was staying in my environment, the better it was for the labor to just uh, happen basically mm-hmm. so yeah. I really wanted to stay in my environment to feel very cozy and I run myself a bath and I remember I was timing the contraction with that app Freya I think it was called mm-hmm. it was supposed to tell you when to go to hospital and when they could yeah. see that you were in active labor and I think pretty much as soon as I started doing that it I received the message, go to hospital. No way. No way. Like it's, it was a bit painful, but it was nowhere near what I was prepared for. You knew that you could handle some more. Yeah. I was like, I think I'm fine. So I think I, before going into my bath, I woke up Bella and I was like, okay, be on the lookout. Maybe you will have to call the hospital. And as soon as I go into the water, I think I was starting to feel uncomfortable. Okay. And I said, I think we have to go to the hospital. So we called, we went there. And again, I was really worried about having to go there, them telling me that I wasn't dilated, that I would have to go back home. Yeah. So yeah, I was I was kind of worried in the Uber thinking, Ooh, was it a good call? I'm not sure. <laughs> One thing that was a bit weird from giving birth during a pandemic is that Valen had to leave me at the door of the hospital and I had to go and now I know it was active labor up until the eighth floor <gasps> to the midwife let unit on my own. And that was such a trip because I was having contraction maybe every couple minutes at the time. Wow. And I really remember then just like leaving me at the door and looking at me with that face of worry being like, she will never make it <laughs> because every <laughs> couple minutes I was just stopping myself in my track and almost falling to the ground and like My almost screaming and people will come to me and they would be do you want to sit down to have like a wheelchair and I was like no I want to be <laughs> on my own it was really weird I was I really didn't want anyone to come near me I became almost primal animal at that time mm. and uh, I managed to make it upstairs but yeah it's an image that I will never forget I think <laughs> I felt like a warrior wow I do remember when the door of the lift opened I got a contraction and I tried to 
drag myself outside of that lift <laughs> and a guy saw me from afar he came was like oh my god do you need help and I was like no no I couldn't speak through the contraction <laughs> and I was just grabbing the wall and almost falling and he went away with also that kind of worried face but eventually I made it and when they when they checked me I was four centimeters okay. And I was over the moon. I called Val and I was like, you can come. They yeah. will tell you my room. It's happening today. It's happening on the due date. I was very excited about that as well. What a perfect baby. <laughs> yeah, I was like, wow, you, you really studied your lesson. <laughs> you knew you had to come today and you're here. So my room was, it felt like I was in a four-star hotel because I could oversee all the river, wow. Big Ben. It felt like, yeah, it was just picture perfect. I gave birth in London. <laughs> <laughs> that was beautiful. Very inspiring, actually. And we had two midwives mm -hmm. and they stayed with us during the entire birth and they were so nice. Mm, that's um, amazing. Yeah, they, they read our birth plan. We... We wrote everything, so much details of everything we wanted and what we didn't want. And they were very supportive. As soon as I arrived, I remember they came with a blend of essential oils for me. and They had that at the hospital. Yeah, yeah. And the room was beautiful. <laughs> it was all green. And uh, I don't know, it was just, I just felt instantly comfortable. Mm. And I think I told them, I want to be on my own, actually, right now. I'm feeling okay. And they were like, okay, we'll, we'll go. And if you need us, you tell us. And we stayed there with Valen for maybe a couple hours, just dealing with the contraction. I did a um, prenatal yoga course mm -hmm. and the yoga teacher was amazing. She was she really prepared us for uh, birth and breathing exercise to get me through the contractions. Okay. And that was so incredibly helpful. Um, wow, okay. The last session we had, it was just... Her, me, and Valen as well. What is the technique? Is it like the in through the nose, out through the mouth, as long as you can? Or Yeah, I think that was it. I think I remember she was telling me to like breathe out from my mouth as long as the contraction was going on. And I was just like focused on not okay. breaking that breath she was telling me. And I could see it going until the end of the room. I remember mm. she was telling me to picture it. And it was very, okay. very helpful. This coupled with all the hypnobirthing techniques, like the positive affirmation and all of that, I was feeling so confident. I felt like I was at my exam yeah. after <laughs> uh, like studying for hours. I was like, I got this. And I remember the yeah, I remember the midwives being really like cheering me as well. They were like, Oh wow, you're doing so well. It's fine. It's good. And I think after a couple hours, I started feeling things okay. changing and I wanted to get in the bath because um, I also chose that unit because they mm -hmm. had a bath it wasn't in the same room but I asked them if they could prepare it and at first they were like I think it's too early just wait to be a bit more advanced in your labor I wanted to be checked as well and same they were like if I check you now I think you're going to be disappointed because it's only been a couple hours and by the way I was the kind of knew that things didn't really progress right. uh, because I was not in too much pain I was kind of dealing with it pretty well and in the end I think I after yeah after a couple hours I was like I really want to win the bath now <laughs> <laughs> so they prepared it for me okay yeah I remember being a bit directive <laughs> during my birth 
as it progressed, I became more and more assertive. <laughs> they did prepare the bath, and I remember saying that the room was amazing. It was like all dark. The bath pool was in the middle, and it was lit from within wow. with like different colors. And Bernard put all the little tea lights all around it, so it felt like a spa. <laughs> it was amazing. Um, when I showed the picture to my family, they couldn't believe that I was in a mm. like in a hospital. So was that like attached to the room that you were in before? Did you have to walk to somewhere different? I had to walk maybe like it was just, I don't know, like a couple minute walk, not even. Uh, It was in the same corridor, but it wasn't in the room. Yeah. So they were also saying, oh, it's fine if you walk, it's actually helping. But I didn't feel like I wanted to be very mobile when I was giving birth. I, I just wanted to be like... I don't know, like in my cocoon and on the floor, stuff like that. I, I don't really wanted to move around. Mm. And I was very excited about the birth pool. I went in it and there things changed completely. I felt like the water was too warm. I felt like I couldn't find a position to be comfortable in. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's the effect of the water that actually made things move pretty quickly. But within two, three minutes of being in the bath, I started panicking. Mm-hmm. I was like, it was such a a change of mood from what I was feeling just moments before where I was very confident there I felt like I lost control completely and I was like I don't want to do this anymore guys mm. um, you need to get me a c-section I think I started saying stuff like <laughs> really weird as well because it was so far away from my birth plan I was like yeah I can't do this I can't do this guys and I knew that this kind of desperation phase meant that things were moving on yeah. but they couldn't really believe it because they were like well so fast I don't know it's only been two hours and but I, I really started crying I was shaking I was like I can't do this I don't want to do this anymore like why did I take that decision mm-hmm. and I said I really want you to check how dilated I am and I think they were like okay given that you're going through that phase now yeah. we're going to check they checked and I was seven centimeters wow so things were moving really quickly. Yeah. It's hard to tell how much time I stayed in the bath, maybe an hour, I think. But yeah, eventually they, they checked me and it, it made me so much more um, excited. I was I just had this rush of adrenaline. I was like, I'm, I'm going to do it, actually. I'm going to go and to do this unmedicalized birth. It is happening. Let's do this. So after that, I told them I want to be in my room on the floor. <laughs> And when I came back to the room, they had prepared everything. They had laid a mattress on the floor and they they were really amazing. They were insane. I think I already wanted to push, but I was only eight centimeters. Mm -hmm. Um, And at the time, my water didn't break yet. Okay. So they were already kind of talking us into the idea that maybe Mia would be born in her water. Okay. And we were very excited about that. We're like, oh, wow, we never saw that. That's so exciting. And the midwife checked me and the water burst in her face. It was very... (laughs) Were you aware of that happening at the time? Yeah, yeah, I was very aware. And I was actually, I'm so sorry. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. I was like, that's fine. And I remember her wearing glasses and it was just like water all over her glasses. (laughs) It can't be the first time it's happened to you. Yeah, I'm pretty sure as well. But when my water broke, they saw that it was uh, tinted, that uh, there was meconia in it. So I think it changed a little bit the mood of the room where we were Mm -hmm. all very happy, very jolly. And then they were like, 
yeah, we will have, it's our policy, we have to tell the medical unit that this is happening. And we will have to have this baby out in an hour. And I was like, yeah, I'm not seeing that happening. Because I was still like, I think I was nine centimeters. And I already kind of wanted to push. But I knew that it would not happen. I tried to stay in my in my own thoughts, in my bubble, but I, I felt everyone around me starting to mm-hmm. be a bit more tense. They kind of pulled you out of it there. Yeah, I think I was retrying hard and I knew that everything was fine. Like I knew that me, I was okay. That was something that I never worried about. But I remember Vine was telling me that he, he was starting to panic a little bit because doctors came in. Yeah, eventually like I had to be moved to the medical unit. And okay. By that time, I was exhausted as well because I mm-hmm. didn't really want to eat anything because now the the contractions were very intense. One thing that I forgot to say as well is that while in the bath, I started to take gas and air because ah, okay. I I wasn't sure I wanted it because I never I had never heard of it. I don't think that's something we have in France. Mm-hmm. I was worried that it would make me drunk or drugged or I don't know that maybe I would lose that control. Uh, but yeah. eventually, it was very helpful but I think maybe I overdid it a little bit because I think that little by little I was I was kind of saying nonsense and I think I was kind of a bit out of my head after taking so much of it so I was very exhausted I also remember that from eight centimeters onwards I was screaming so hard every time I had a contraction and I was actually like exhausting myself Mm mm-hmm so by the time they rushed me to the medical unit, it did become a bit overwhelming because I had to be monitored uh, constantly. I had to be on my back. Um, okay. So I kind of knew, I was like, okay, all the elements that I don't want it to are kind of happening at the same times. But I was so desperate. I really wanted that baby out at the time. I was like, mm-hmm. I tried my best and I'm already so proud of myself for going all that length, all on my own. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't stressed again, but I was like, okay, things are moving really quickly. And suddenly we were in that room, a lot of light and maybe five or six doctors that we, they all introduced themselves. They all explained to us what they were going to do, but I just couldn't process the information. I was like, yeah, whatever. Like, I'm going to try and push. Um, they, they told me that I should start pushing, but I don't really know how to do it, I think. And I was, again, exhausting myself. And I pushed for two hours. And Mia's head was crowning. And I remember they were telling me, like, oh, my God, she's she's arriving. It's happening. And I was so annoyed. I was like, no, she's not. I've been doing that for two hours (laughs) and nothing is happening. So I told Vala and I told him, go and check what is happening. Tell me she's she's coming out. And his face, (laughs) seeing her crowning... It felt like he didn't think that she would come out through that, basically, because I will never forget that face. He was just so shocked. He was like, she's here. She's here. Yeah, there's a baby. <laughs> but every time she was crowning, but in between the contractions, she was going back okay. in. And that was making me crazy. Like, I don't even remember the, the pain. I remember just the exhaustion and trying to do this and that it wasn't working I was really frustrated with myself mm. and because it had been two hours at some point someone came to me and told me okay I think we will need to do an episiotomy okay. because this baby needs to come out okay 
and I was so desperate. I think I didn't really know what was an episiotomy. Mm-hmm. I said, yeah, do whatever you need to do to, to take her out, basically. Yeah. So I think it made a little anesthesia yeah. in the area, which actually was more painful than the contraction. Mm. And then they cut and the next contraction I had, I pushed and me up. entirely everyone was shocked (laughs) again I remember seeing the face all around me because at at that point there were quite a lot of people they explained to us because now it was medicalized and there was meconium in the water they they kind of came with all the in case she wasn't breathing so there was like all the material to I think it's called resuscitate or something like that it sounds really intense but um I think that was everything everything came out at the same time Valen was very scared by then it was like my baby is going to come out and she's not going to cry and she's not going to breathe Mm. and me I was just in another mental space like I wasn't on earth anymore I was just getting that baby out were you aware of of Valen's mood or was that not registering not really I think I was just frustrated tired um but I could feel a little bit that I I saw his face and he was very white and he was like looking at everyone and I see a bit of panic here but I was like I can't deal with it I you have you will have to deal with it on your own so what happens to Mia when she comes out very efficiently after this episiotomy do they give her straight to you or how is she doing she was perfectly fine she started crying uh she was she was very healthy, but again, it's weird. I had this in- intuition that she was perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. And again, I always had this kind of uh, image of me having my baby in water and me pushing her to my face and seeing her and discovering her. But because I was, well, I had an open wound and I was on my back, they put her on me and I couldn't see her. I didn't have the strength to kind of pull her out and look at her. So I just had this blob basically on me and I was trying to look at her, but I was, at that point I got very overwhelmed. I didn't really get that rush of love. I was just like, okay, there's that many people around me. Mm. Is she okay? Am I okay? I do remember Valen's face though and him being in that bliss, being in that moment of discovering his baby and being just the happiness on his face but me I wasn't there I was just worrying it's like it was like if I was landing in that room and realizing catching up with everything that had happened Mm -hmm. and it was very overwhelming oh one thing is that we wanted to get our placenta encapsulated um, so that I could consume it afterwards to try to get more nutrients and that was just something I wanted to do so I knew I needed to birth the placenta and that then needed to put it in an ice pack bag and someone would come and pick it up and everything but I think I started to bleed quite a lot so they give me the injection like everything became extremely medicalized from that point Mm -hmm. they were like okay you're bleeding and I was with my baby I was like what is happening to me and they were like we'll need to sue you up as well by the time they sue me up the anesthesia had wore off and I was in so much pain and I was telling them, I was like, I'm in a lot of pain right now. And I was crying and it was very intense. That part just, I'm really sad about this because it took away that joy of discovering my baby. I was just um, Mm. having her on me, but I I just couldn't enjoy that moment. But eventually they, they took us back to 
our room that was like the midwife led unit room that was really nice and calm and there I discovered my baby and I was like wow I'm a mom hey you like Uh... I was just there it was sweet and cute but I still felt very vulnerable Mm -hmm. physically vulnerable from all the stuff that had happened and I was at the same time having that rush of energy of thinking whoa I kind of did it. I think it was weird for me to process that because I was like, okay, I did it. I had my unmedicalized birth. I didn't get the epidural. Everything went so well. But the last 10 minutes, everything went out the window in a way. So should I be happy? And it's so strange that you had these kind of like two different physical places. Yeah. It's amazing that you got to come back to that first place yeah. and that the whole thing kind of came full circle and that you could yeah. kind of retrieve all of that yeah. positive emotion that you started with. Yeah. But at the same time when we came back to that room, they kind of straight away told us, Well dad, spend time with your baby because you have to go away basically. In a couple hours you will have to go back <gasps> home. You can't stay. Oh gosh. Again because of the covid restrictions and that stressed me out again because again i was like we're a team we're doing this together and now you will have to leave me were you prepared that it would be that fast kind of i think it was within my awareness but then i was i heard people who they let the the dad be around and um i think we were between two waves as well of covid so we didn't really know how it would be like maybe we'd get lucky maybe we won't Mm -hmm. And was there a chance they might let you leave before and have that first night at home? Or was it? did they definitely want you to stay in the hospital? They wanted me to stay also because I couldn't I couldn't pee. Okay. So they, they were like, because you had the episiotomy, you can't leave before you, you weed, basically. Right. And I, I absolutely couldn't. And I remember another kind of really bad memories that I was with Mia, I was trying to breastfeed her, I was having just this very like bonding experience with her and then they came and they said that I will have to have a catheter put in okay and I was like no I I don't want to I'm going to go to the bathroom don't worry it's all going to be fine so I gave Mia to her dad and again rush of adrenaline I just went to the bathroom on my own and I was like I'm going to take a shower I'm going to pee everything is going to be fine and I started to try and walk and the pain from the episiotomy was just overwhelming it was Mm. like I couldn't move my legs it was so weird that feeling I had no idea it would feel that way and I arrived in the bathroom and I saw myself in the mirror I think I was yellow I was looking so pale and so unhealthy like so exhausted Mm. and I actually felt like I was about to to faint so I told Ben very calmly because I knew he had Mia in his arms I was like Ben, could you please call a nurse? I'm not feeling too well. And I was on the floor in the bathroom, just like really fainting, basically. So, so they were like, yeah, you will have to say, we will have to put the catheter in because you can't even like stand up, basically. Mm. Um, I had just realized how debilitating that episiotomy was. I wasn't expecting that. I thought it was just like a little wound but I realized it was so much bigger and you can't really see it and I didn't really know what it was as well like I didn't really educate myself about that mm-hmm. I think they told Brian it's fine if you want to stay for the night oh, you can, because I couldn't move I couldn't even move to the side to put her on me to get her from her little bed so it was a relief yeah that is a huge relief we're gonna spend the night there the three of us and 
I remember I I don't think I could really sleep during that night, mm-hmm. but breastfeeding was very straightforward. She latched perfectly from the start, so I felt empowered in that. Yeah, that's a thank goodness you didn't have something to contend with there because that could be a whole different yeah. level of complexity and stress and all of that. Yeah, yeah, so definitely. that's that's huge. Yeah, absolutely. That was a relief. And I remember like breastfeeding my tiny baby and Van sleeping on the side and me looking at the lights mm-hmm. on Big Ben and the times. And I was like, wow, I can't believe that. I'm so lucky that I'm here. And it's it was oh. really, really a beautiful memory that I have. And I think Evan had to leave in the morning. They were like, you have to go. <laughs> How did you stay the night? Because it wasn't the same nurse. So we actually got screamed on. So he left. She literally told him, you have 10 minutes to go. And he had to go, well, bye, and leave like that. But um, I left that same day, like, I think at 5 p.m. So 24 hours after giving birth, I went back home. That's huge. It sounds to me, one thing that really stands out anyway is just the level of determination, but also just how in touch you were with your own intuition throughout the whole thing. And even when it didn't necessarily go That's true. the way you were expecting, it still feels like you had real courage in your convictions. And mm. also just how Mia just seems mm. like a very, just in tune with you. A lot of stuff happened, but actually it sounds like she was pretty much textbook almost throughout the whole thing. Absolutely. And I remember, I think I was a bit shaken when I when I was back into my midwife-led unit room. And the midwife, because it was a pretty short birth, I gave birth in seven hours. So mm. I had the same uh, midwife from start to finish. And they were so excited because they, they were telling me it doesn't happen that often. Actually, we usually we don't see the, the birth of the baby up until the end. They told me before leaving, they were like, if I have a baby one day, they were very young. I, I hope they would be that birth because your mm. birth was so beautiful. Like we were so happy to be part of it. I do remember it as a very positive event. And I'm really proud of that birth, actually. You should And be. I think that it really... As you said, like it really fits as well with Mia personality. I think she knew she wanted to come <laughs> from the beginning. She On chose time. the moment. <laughs> yeah. And even when I think about her conception and everything, it wasn't really a decision we took. Yeah. But even now, she's two years old and she has a really strong personality. She knows what she wants. Oh. So I think it was really, yeah, her story had already started that moment when I started to give birth. And mm. I'm. Yeah, it was a beautiful moment, actually. Just got goosebumps. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I have to ask a very pragmatic question, but were you speaking English during the whole labour and especially, like, the pushing? I think I was talking in French, actually, because I remember that and saying, she's saying that, she's saying this. Yeah. (laughs) But I think, yeah, it's... It's actually kind of funny because uh, before me, I was born, we were talking in Spanish at home uh, because I okay. could speak Spanish, but I speak Spanish. From the moment Mia was born, we started speaking in our own languages, but because Vine speak French and I speak Spanish, we understand each other, but we don't speak the mm-hmm. same language anymore just because we couldn't make that effort anymore of translating in our mind. We're just so overwhelmed with having a baby and you're tired, you don't sleep. So I think, yeah, 
during the bath, it was French and it never really changed from their own words. I couldn't be bothered to make that effort anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, and one last question maybe to finish with. Looking back on the whole thing, knowing what you know now, is there anything that you would say to yourself in that moment when you found out that you were pregnant, when you were feeling all of the feelings and had that massive reaction that would maybe have reassured you? Um, yeah, it's actually making me a bit emotional to think about it because I was such a mess when I discovered mm. I was pregnant. But um, I think I would just tell her that everything is going to be okay. And uh, oh, wow, I feel very emotional. Oh. That at the end, I would have the most perfect little girl and she was just meant to be. She's part of the mm. family and oh. I couldn't imagine it a different way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was an emotional journey but so worth it mm. oh, thank you so so much I loved hearing all about that that was a story worth telling I think yeah so thank you for giving me that space yeah you're so welcome that's the end of this episode take care and see you next time